You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm Carlos Noche, and I'm joined by my podcast partner, Lisa Schneer. Say hi, Lisa. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about some common mistakes companies make in regards to marketing and hopefully get some actionable tips that are really ultimately going to help us drive an increase in our profitability. And to help us out with this important topic today, we have Sheila Clefcorn, who is an award-winning business growth expert with over 30 years experience helping mid and enterprise-sized companies increase profits and revenues, and is also the president and CEO of her agency, KEO Marketing, which is a full-service B2B marketing agency. She also serves her clients by being a fractional CMO, putting her best practices into practice every day. Sheila, thank you so much for taking the time today and welcome to the show. Thank you, Lisa and Carlos. I'm excited to be here. All right. So before we jump into the good stuff, the even better stuff, we like to start off with getting a little bit of insights into Sheila. So what might be something that you're very passionate about that those that only know you through work might be surprised to know about you? Oh, gosh. I am really passionate about marketing, (laughs) which having done it for 30 years, I would need to be. Marketing's really changed over the years. So I used to run operations for a large marketing agency in New York City in the 90s at the time of the dot-com bubble burst. So I had the chance to be the first advertiser on GoTo, which Yahoo bought, which kind of gave Google AdWords, Google, the idea for Google AdWords. So I've been doing this a long time. I've seen a ton of changes over the last 23 years since I started my agency. And the really cool thing about it is that there's so much innovation in our space. So every time you think, oh my gosh, this is the way to drive leads and it's really driving leads, then something will happen and then it doesn't work as well. But just as fast, some new method will come out that enables you to do better differently. So if you're an adrenaline junkie like me, that is an exciting place to be where there's always some new solution that we can offer to our clients. Or if you're doing marketing in-house, there's always a new solution for getting people to engage with your brand. And I'm particularly passionate about B2B marketing because I talk about this when I hire people into our agency. A lot of people say, I want to go into marketing, the sexy kind of marketing. I want to do fashion or I want to do food or things like that. And there's definitely a place for it. But I'm really passionate about helping companies who make our worlds work. So whether it's a data center, people will say, my stuff is in the cloud. Well, it's not actually in the cloud. It's in a data center in a physical building somewhere. And so helping data centers, helping cybersecurity companies keep companies and people secure, helping IT services companies help companies do what they do better and more remote. All of those things, I'm a little bit of a nerd, but those things get me really excited. And really my reason for being, the reason I've been doing this so long is that I love helping people have their dream lives. So whether it's people inside my company getting the career skills they need to go where they need to go or helping them travel the world because we've been a remote office for 23 years or 
most importantly, even with our clients, they don't talk about it this way, but every business owner that we work with, every executive team has goals. And if their company hits those goals, then they get their dream lives too, whether that's an exit event, whether that's acquiring another company and expanding, whatever that is. And I just get really juiced helping people get their dream lives. And that's what I've been doing all this time. I feel like I have my dream life being able to help people with that stuff. And that's what I get really excited about. That's awesome. I love that. It's like mission driven. (laughs) I want to help you get your dream life and work with me. I love it. So let's start with, can you help our listeners understand a little bit about what exactly you offer as a fractional CMO plus team? And why might an organization want to go that route versus hiring someone internally? Sure, absolutely. It's really simple. I started out as a consultant, as a fractional CMO, and then I added more people to serve companies better. So we've actually been doing this for our entire existence over these 23 years. And marketing is difficult. I mean, lots of companies are used to either having in-house teams or they are used to hiring an agency. But there's some challenges with each of those. And today it's even more difficult. So marketing is more sophisticated than ever. And achieving standout marketing and sales results requires specialists today with lots of experience, whether you're doing Google ads or account-based marketing or leveraging some new platforms and all the technology that goes with it. It's hard as a mid-market company to have the specialists and afford them. It's also difficult to have a senior level chief marketing officer at most of the budgets of mid-market or small company. But yet those mid-market and small companies need to compete with much larger companies who have bigger budgets. So we've refined a program where you can get a part-time chief marketing officer, that's me, and a team, and you can outsource all of it. So if you're a company who's hired an agency, most CEOs get frustrated because it sort of puts them in the position of having to be the CMO because they have to do all the translation from what's happening in the agency to the rest of their leadership team. So they are typically the go-between with sales, with product, with any of the operations teams or administration teams. And so by having a fractional CMO, they can do their job as the CEO and I will interface with the other members of the marketing team. We can also bring senior level strategists and executional folks to deliver on that strategy. So you get the strategy, you get the messaging, and you get the execution at a fraction of the cost. It's typically about the same cost as hiring a VP or a CMO level marketing specialist, and you get the whole team. So for our clients who have this model, it allows them to scale and operate at a higher level at a much less cost than they would if they did it in-house or if they were stretched and tried to do it with an agency alone. So it allows them to avoid building out an expensive senior level marketing team. It helps them avoid hiring generalists that fit their budget, but don't have the specialized experience that the company needs. And most of all, for a CEO, it helps them avoid having to manage marketing themselves, which takes them away from the real job that they have. 
Amazing. And it's also reducing risk, is it not? Like in a way, you know you're getting that expertise, but also you don't have to have someone on your payroll with benefits, with 401k. So ultimately, it's a little easier. It's oddly a little less commitment than a full-time hire anyway. And you know you're get- what you're getting for expertise. Absolutely. Because too many businesses struggle with not just the cost, but also wasting money on marketing that doesn't deliver results. So we are a very results-oriented agency. And as the fractional CMO, I think about our client's business as if it was my own. We would never show up and say, we did the thing that was in our statement of work. The results are kind of don't matter. We will proactively come and say, this part of the program isn't working. We need to make a change, or we've noticed this change in your industry and we think you need to get ahead of it. And this is how we would do that. So we are constantly operating as though we are in-house, even though we are outsourced. That's the, uh, I spend your money like it's mine, right? (laughs) (laughs) Level of comfort. So I guess getting into a little bit of the nitty gritty here, when you go into a new client, what are some of the processes that you commonly recommend based on making the biggest impact in the shortest amount of time? Well, the most important thing that we do is that we do an audit of the marketing. And that involves a conversation with sales where we have to get really clear about who is it that they're trying to get as new clients or customers and who delivers the highest margin. Most inexperienced companies or marketers tend to try, they're like, we are really great for the commercial real estate market. We just need to get everybody in commercial real estate. No one has the budget for that. So we ask a lot of questions about, okay, probably 20% of your clients deliver 80% of your revenue. What if we could deliver you five more of those 20%? What would that do? And what kind of budget or runway would that give you to be able to expand? So we are very focused on who can we get to generate the results that you need and then expand. We also look at what is the relationship that you're developing with your prospects. And most people don't think about it as a relationship. They think about it as a numbers game. And it truly is a numbers game. But if you can develop a relationship, so you think about where do these people hang out? What do they care about? So we, for example, do a lot of work for engineering-related companies. And if you look at an engineering-related website, typically you will see a website that talks about all the features and things that their company offers. We offer this product and it has these specs and it's awesome because it delivers this throughput and it's amazing and it's a very engineering-oriented thing. So what that does for a visitor to a website is it forces the visitor to say, okay, They do all these things. I have these needs and I don't even understand all those acronyms they have on their website, but I think maybe what it is that they are offering could solve my needs and I should call them. And if you just think about all the mental calories that that takes as a visitor to a website and you usually have three seconds to grab them, most people leave. So I'm a certified story brand guide. And the great thing about that is it, enables our clients to think about what are our clients' needs. And most 
technology businesses don't think about that. They think about their widget. They think about the product that they have and how cool it is. And can I just find some people who will buy my widgets because it's so awesome? If we build it, they will come. (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly. And so what we do as a marketing agency is we say, stop. Okay, who has the needs for that product? And what are those needs really? And how can we come right out and say what those needs are? We have clients who call me up and say, oh my God, I had the best sales call ever because the person I was talking to had read our homepage or our landing page and where we did what you said, you created this story brand landing page for us, for example, and we talked about all their needs and they were so excited because they said, that's exactly what my problem was and I need this. And so there's nothing better in sales than having a prospect come and say, oh gosh, yeah, that's exactly what I need. So today, 70 to 90% of the sales process is over before anyone gets to a salesperson. And you can think about it the way that you buy a car. 25 years ago, we used to ask a salesperson to educate us about the models and the colors and all that kind of stuff. Today, I just bought a car for my daughter and I didn't even talk to anyone. It was delivered to the house. Amazing. (laughs) So in B2B, it's becoming the same thing. Everyone who is buying is doing online research. And that's why digital marketing is so important. But you've got to really think about, are we educating enough before they get to sales that we make that person our best buyer? Are we sharing enough information? Are we so clear about what their needs are and how we solve them that it makes the process easy? And that's the step that most people skip is really digging into the messaging. They're like, I have money. I have a little bit of money. I'm going to run some Google ads or I'm going to run a campaign in LinkedIn. And they don't stop to think about what is the strategy? What is the messaging? How do we really communicate? And then we can be successful. Yeah, that's so true. And it ties directly into what Carlos and I talk about all day, which is like, what is the prospect's problem? How are they viewing the solution? And then the next step being, what is the impact to them when they're thinking about solving that problem to them and their business? So let's advertise that and not change. Like, I love what you were saying about don't pitch on features and functionality. That's not what people are interested in. They don't even care what you call your company. They care what you solve and what that impact is to their business. You can create some urgency around that need even better. Oh yeah, absolutely. Tied to a corporate objective. Absolutely. I love all of that, Sheila, because there was actually a time I was with a startup, very cool product, cool, sexy product. Everybody loved demoing it and everyone loved seeing it demoed. They were like, wow, that's so cool. And it was actually right in your neck of the woods there with marketing segmentation, audience segmentation based on psychographics and interest rather than demographics. So super cool thing. Everyone loved seeing it. It was really pretty, colorful, whatever. We actually got the feedback that you just gave from a, because we sold into marketers mostly, from a prospect who said, I found your website vague. I think it's really cool, but I have no idea how to apply it. <laughs> so where do you take that as a salesperson? You're like, oh, okay, <laughs> let's talk about that. And if you make your prospect do all that work, they're not going to do it because they're busy. And they've got a thousand other things in front of them. So we believe that marketing is about doing the work for the prospect to get them excited, to get them to understand how it adds value, and to make the sale easy. 
So we as marketers should make the sale easy and effective because almost all of the process is over. It's why so much of inside sales is now within the marketing department. So we even spend a lot of time qualifying leads to get them ready for sales. And then sales can be more strategic. Great points. It's interesting, Lisa, kind of going back to your example, I think that for the one or two people that told you they didn't understand, you had 98 that didn't have the time to even tell you. Yeah. Right? Kind of like under the covers. Absolutely. All right, Sheila. So sometimes the best lessons learned are really from our mistakes. So what are some common mistakes, just one or two, if what comes to mind that these kind of mid-market young companies are making these days that we should kind of learn from? Well, I mentioned the one of trying to be all things to all people. Nobody has the budget for that. And small or fast-growing companies typically have grand plans and you want to start getting moving on all the grand plans at once. And it's they typically don't have the resources or the budget to handle it. So that's the first thing. The other thing is that a lot of entrepreneurs have shiny object syndrome and every new thing they want to try and they don't give themselves enough time or runway for marketing to work. So any marketing program usually takes three to six months to generate results. And so typically companies will get really impatient and like the middle of the second month, like I'm not seeing enough traction yet, that kind of thing. And so we do a lot of work up front to outline, this is when you're going to see results and this is why. So Google research shows that it takes seven to 16 touches to get a prospect to move to the next stage, not even to buy, but just to move to the next stage. And it's because every single B2B buyer is being barraged with marketing messages at least 5,000 a day. Just think about the number of ads, the number of emails they get, the number of retargeting ads, all of these kinds of things. It's a lot. And so you have to have a message that would disrupt those 5,000 messages. And even if you did, they saw it when they were running into a meeting and they didn't get it. So people will say, I sent three emails. I don't know why they haven't responded. Well, I can tell you that it often takes seven or eight messages for them to even get the brain bandwidth to see that you're somebody that's here generating value week in and week out. So we focus on developing machines, marketing machines that we tweak every month that deliver leads to fill sales pipelines. Our clients have all been with us two, three, five, 10, 12 years because we build the machine, we track what is the cost per lead, and they can know for every $5,000 I spend, I'm going to make $100,000 or what have you. But marketing today requires a machine. It is not a bunch of projects or experiments, although we definitely believe in experimenting. But marketing in the B2B space takes a machine and an infrastructure to be successful, and you have to monitor and feed it all the time for it to actually work. It's the same on the sales side. You can't do sales for one month and think that you're going to have an amazing year. You have to do the activities that generate the results over and over. Got it. So, hey, I don't want to miss it. How many touches did you say are needed on average for people to even notice you? 
7 to 16. Wow. All right. Perfect. So if you're doing a weekly email campaign, that's four in one month. That's eight in the second month. That's 12 in the third month. You can accelerate those touches by adding outbound calling with it. You can add more touches by doing retargeting ads. You've got to stack this stuff on top of each other to accelerate the results. Sounds familiar because we do this prospecting class that we talk a lot about this. So that's why I wanted to double down on it. All right. So another quick question. So I kind of asked like mistakes. Hey, for we work with a lot of fast growing, exciting companies, especially in the technology space. That's great. And what would you recommend for companies with limited budgets? What, what are those, the best one or two bets that they should be putting on investment areas, if you will, to get the biggest bang for the buck? And I know you kind of touched the bottom a little bit. I just want to kind of go back to it a little bit, especially when you're thinking about a young growing company, but hey, they got limited budget. So they got to make the right bets. They have the best returns. Yeah. So the first thing that I think of is, should they be doing inbound marketing or outbound marketing. So inbound marketing is where you show up where people are looking. So if you happen to have a product or a service and there's already demand for it, people are already searching in Google for solutions related to something that you do, then inbound and doing Google ads, for example, might be the best thing because there is some demand out there and you can quickly scale a Google advertising program or a LinkedIn advertising program because people already know kind of what it is that you do. They don't know how you do it differently, but they have some knowledge of it. If you're a company that, like, for example, we had a company that created ASICs, which are these tiny little microchips that show up in medical devices. And in the initial audit, I said, who's going to buy what you have? And they said, there are only 200 companies in the world who would buy what we have. I can tell you inbound is not the right way to reach those companies. Then We need an outbound account-based marketing program. We know who those 200 companies are. We need to be reaching out and getting in front of those decision makers with outbound email, outbound calling, retargeting ads. And we need to provide education about why this company should be the one to provide their service. So that's absolutely where you start. Is there already demand or do you have a new product that nobody's ever done and you need to relate it to something that they kind of might understand, but you've really got to do some education? Yeah, that kind of ties into a question kind of going back to, you mentioned your audit at the top of the show. And one of the things that we see a lot is that people really don't get the basics right, like particularly around that ideal customer profile or ICP. So the what do we sell to whom, why would they buy and why from us and not someone else? So when you're having that conversation, particularly, so you go through your audit, you help them identify those things. I think that's fantastic. What about in the situation of these young growing companies where product or service offerings might change as they grow? Do you also help them to understand how that process works as that moves forward? Yes, absolutely. So we do that audit on a complimentary basis before we start working with a company. We put a ton of time, 10 or 15 hours into it before we work together. Most agencies charge two to $5,000 and they do it after they're already working together, which is crazy, I think, because how can you decide what the plan is without having the audit? So first of all, we do it that way. We invest that because most of our companies end up staying with us for a long time. Then we redo that audit 
an interval that works for the company, depending on what their product development schedule is. We also include competitive research in that because we want to be able to say, this is what's coming in your industry. This is what's happening. And this is, we like to try to be in front of the product development. So a lot of people do product development sort of just on its own, (laughs) or they do it on their own and they get a little bit of feedback from their customers, but they forget to do it in the context of what's happening in the competitive environment. So that's really important to be doing secret shopping, to be looking at what competitors are doing, and to really put it back in that context of what do customers or clients need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious now, because as a business owner yourself, you've gone through a lot of these growth tactics. And I would like to point out also as a female business owner. You have built and run a successful business. And I'm curious, as also a female entrepreneur, what unique challenges do you feel like we face along the way? And do you feel like it's getting any better? Oh, gosh. It's a heavy one. I'm sorry, Sheila. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a lot of your awards were related to women in business, women leaders, and I just got inspired to ask you this question. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And I'm really blessed to have had this incredible journey. I think that today it is much easier to be a woman entrepreneur than it used to. I was at the Arizona Technology Council big gala event a couple of weeks ago, and I was saying, when I first started my agency, I used to go to a CEO roundtable with 12 other CEOs, and I was always the only woman there, and they would sort of verbally pat me on the head and say, oh, Sheila, you have a lifestyle business, and really were patronizing. I can tell you that that does not happen today. So 20 years later, it is definitely a warmer swimming pool for women. But I think the beauty of what we bring, a lot of what I just said about knowing your prospects needs, focusing on relationships, women tend to do that really well. And so I feel like it's kind of my secret weapon that I think about things that way. I think it's my secret weapon that I am always trying to tease out the relationships in our marketing and our messaging and all those kinds of things. So I tend never to focus on the hard stuff. I focus on the gifts in the whole thing. And I feel incredibly blessed to have had so much wild success, to have helped so many companies go public or exit or become the biggest ones in their industries. I just, my team gets kind of demoralized sometimes, like we'll help a company triple in revenue in a year and a half or something, and then they'll go out and get acquired and then we won't be a part of that package. And they're like, how could we do so great? And then get fired, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, that's our journey. That's what we do. That's why we're here. And so I think there's certainly some challenges from being a woman entrepreneur. There's also a lot more support out there than there ever has been. And there's so many men who are helpful in a way that that didn't used to happen. I was just at another big event and the male publisher of a business magazine was talking about how important it is to bring women into leadership teams and people of color into leadership teams. And this was a white guy talking about how important that is. So I think men also have come a long way and it's just a really exciting time to be in technology and B2B. 
I agree. I've had some extremely supportive men and throughout my journey and my entrepreneurship. And I do think that with the diversity and inclusion initiatives we're seeing coming the forefront, we as a company are seeing those requirements become actually part of our contracts, part of our RFPs. And that's something that it's so lovely to see pushed to the forefront and really have the investment behind it. We also had the pleasure of having Udi uh, Lettergore from Gong. He's the CMO of Gong. And he actually mentioned on the podcast that the recordings, that all the intelligence that Gong collects show that women are better listeners. <laughs> it's like, really? I'm shocked. Um, <laughs> so. And for our clients who use Gong, we absolutely see the same thing. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. So I think a lot we learn from each other and the diversity is absolutely awesome. Our company is more diverse than it used to be. Our clients' companies are more diverse than they used to be. And it really takes all of us. It really does. Yep. It does take a village. Fantastic. Well, let's change direction just a little bit here, Sheila, because we ask all of our guests two questions at the end of every show. And as a CEO, revenue executive yourself, you are often the target for prospects or to be prospected too. So when you receive a cold outreach, no warm introduction, no referral, nothing, cold outreach, what do you require to really earn A, your attention and B, potentially even a response? The ones that stand out for me are the ones who've done some research about what my needs are, the same way, the flip side of what I've just been talking about. So, and it's more than saying, I saw that you did this on LinkedIn, or I saw that your company got this award, or I saw that you're successful. They're making that stuff up. They're still using a template that isn't very specific. Now, if it's a small revenue item that might work. But if it's a considered purchase, if this is a $10,000 or more a month type of program they want me to buy, then they've really got to provide some insights that would help. Because I've already thinking that I've got this stuff solved. I'm doing what I'm doing. They need to disrupt me with some powerful insights about how I could run my business better. Like I literally get emails, just like every company does, wanting to help with my company's SEO. Well, we do SEO. <laughs> like that's the first thing they should have noticed that I'm not their target market or I can help you generate more leads. Okay. Well, we're a lead generation firm. Like that's just silly. So true. I see a lot of those too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I got our next question, which is our acceleration insights. But before I jump in there, Sheila, I just wanted to say thank you not all marketing professionals are equal. And I'm not knocking anyone, but I love the way you kind of looked at the business from a customer's buying perspective and how you made it more practical and actionable. Marketing campaigns, just like sales campaigns, if they don't result in success, then they really didn't achieve their goal. <laughs> Even if we were on time and on budget, doesn't matter because they didn't achieve the ultimate goal to drive more business, to get more eyeballs. So whatever you want to make that goal be at the end of the day. So I love your view of marketing. And I just wanted to say that. Thank you for that. Thank you. Here's our last big questions. We call it Acceleration Insight. Hey, what might be that one piece of advice? This is your key takeaway at the end of the podcast that you think would help other organizations achieve their targets and goals. So it's about marketing and sales. And if you're a company that has those in two different departments, then it has to be the top priority of the company to make marketing and sales work really well together. 
And I know this as a fractional CMO. Like if I'm doing my marketing and the marketing people are frustrated that sales isn't responding to the leads fast enough, and sales is frustrated that they're not getting warm enough leads, then you're in the essential marketing and sales trap. But if you're on the same team, if your feedback loop between those two groups is happening and firing on all cylinders every day, then you're going to have tremendous success. But that relationship between marketing and sales is absolutely essential. And it's hard. It is hard because you're focused on two different things, even though they support each other, they're two different things. And you absolutely have to work through those challenges every single day. That's so incredibly true, Sheila. As someone who was a director of sales development, like I ran the SDR teams at multiple companies, I always felt like I was being pulled in two different directions or like I was quarterbacking between two teams. And that collaboration was always my number one thing was I need to know what marketing's doing. And of course, depending... because. Also, at the same company, I switched from reporting to marketing to reporting to sales and back again. <laughs> and, and it's a different thing to report to either one, right? Absolutely. You have different priorities. You have different nuances to how it works. And so I think it's the essential thing that every company struggles with is how do we handle that? And you really have to spend time together. You have to be in constant communication and you need to be agile enough to adjust on both sides. Agreed. Absolutely. That's amazing. So Sheila, if a listener was interested in getting in touch with you for to hire KEO or just to talk about more of these topics or have you come speak with them, what's your preferred method of communication? Sure. Two best ways that you can always get me on LinkedIn, Sheila Clefcorn, or you can come to our website at keomarketing.com. We respond really fast. We love talking about marketing and we're not a fit for everybody, but we love to see if we could be a fit to help you do more for less and get better results and scale faster. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. (laughs) I cannot (laughs) thank you enough, Sheila, for your time today. We know how valuable it is. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you. It's really been a pleasure too. I love talking with such wicked smart people as you. (laughs) Thank you so much. We're on today. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. Please check us out at www.b2brevexec.com and share the episode with your friends, your family, your dogs, your kids, maybe get them off those screens for a little while. And if you enjoy what you hear, please do us a favor and throw us a five-star review on iTunes. I am Lisa Schneer. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Carlos Noche. And until next time, we wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.